Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus right now, Gulf Coast Online here at Little Creek. And I want to particularly welcome all the men and women joining us at the Orleans Justice Center right now. Come on, can we just welcome all those of you that are joining us live? So excited to have everyone. We are in week two of a short series. Uh, I'll be finishing up next week, and then again Christmas Eve, and then we've got a message at the end of December, and then our series. Very, very excited every time of the year uh, in the holidays. I love them. I love the Christmas season. I told you guys this last week, we have officially begun to listen to Christmas music two weeks before Thanksgiving. I really feel like next year we're just going to just go right into October. It's just a wonderful time of the year. We love everything about it. Um, last week, I began the message series, and it's called It's Christmas, So Laugh. We talked about joy. We talked about the power of laughter. We talked about how it heals the mind, it heals the body, it heals the soul. That The joy of the Lord is our strength. I looked at the shepherds. And the announcement of the angels, joy to the world. Today, I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. I want to talk to you about the importance of worshiping God, of honoring God, and kneeling before God. I want to look at the wise men. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to talk about worship in this message and how bowing our knees before God, surrender. Everybody say surrender. Two universal signs of surrender. Number one is obviously raising the hands. Those of you in the military, you're taught that when, when there's an engagement and when the enemy raises their hands, you can't shoot. That, that, that's, a, that's a universal. It doesn't matter the language. doesn't matter the culture. When you lift your hands, it's a sign of surrender. Isn't that right? Same way before God. When we, there's something about that. We honor God. In the same way, uh, lifting our hands is one. Another one would be kneeling. It's a, it's a sign it's a sign of surrender. I never saw this in the Bible uh, till this week. So many times and in instances where people knelt before God. The power of kneeling before God and honoring God and, and surrendering in worship. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, talking about the wise men when they met Jesus. Here we go for the very first time. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great Joy, verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Now, interesting, they came into a what? Say it, a, not to a manger, to a house. I'm going to unpack that in just a moment. They came into the house, and they saw this young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him three gifts. Number one, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When the wise men see the star, they're, they're overjoyed. They're, they're, there's this sense of anticipation and expectation. Creation and cultures, uh, they, they, there was this anticipation that the Messiah was going to come. When's the Messiah coming? He's coming soon. He's, he's coming soon. Now, that's very interesting to note something here. I want to note something about what these wise men did. 
They were not hanging around in Jerusalem and they just went seven miles to Bethlehem. As a matter of fact, they were in kind of modern-day Iraq. They were close to a 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem. The Bible says that they came, and they came across the desert. They came, and they ended up in Jerusalem. Then they found the baby, listen, in a house. But it's interesting, not a baby, but a two-year-old. I remember when Bible school and in college, Bible's college and then seminary afterwards, I remember reading about, and I thought, man, this is really interesting. This is different than what I remember as a kid, because as a kid, I remembered one of the things about Christmas decorations was getting out the manger scene. How many of y'all have a manger scene somewhere in your attic you pull out every time? It's wonderful. It's awesome. And I used to love it. And every year it got less and less. We'd lose a sheep. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. One of the shepherds would lose an arm. But you didn't want to get a new one, man, because you were committed, right? I mean, you were committed to that manger scene. You put it out there. And, 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 and three of the people that we would put out there is the wise men, right? And the little wise men, you had the shepherds, and, of course, Mary and Joseph and the baby, and it's a manger in Bethlehem. By the way, I've been to Bethlehem, and kind of the right where they really believe that that happens, a powerful, powerful sight, very powerful. But when I began to study this, I began to realize that that these wise men had to come a long way, and they actually didn't come see, they didn't come to see a, a baby that was four days old or five days old or six days old. But they actually came into a house, not to a manger, because it was a baby that was two years old. It was a toddler. Very, very powerful when you study this out. So why is that important? It's important because, because you've got this two-year-old baby Jesus. He's a toddler, and they're now bowing before this two-year-old. Now, let me ask a couple questions. How many of y'all currently have a toddler? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of y'all have ever had a toddler? Would you raise your hand? Last one. you got to raise your hand on this one, please. I'm going to get you to do something in church. How many of y'all have ever been around a toddler? Would you raise your hand? Okay, good, good, good. That's, that's, that's important. You know, of course, I've, we've got four children, and, and, um, and so we've had four, four, four different toddlers. My youngest daughter is seven. My oldest is, is 21, and so, or tw- almost 21. And so it's interesting when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're around two-year-olds. Two-year-olds are, are, are an interesting uh, species, particularly when you bring them out, like publicly, you know what I'm saying? And you bring, matter of fact, I remember before I had children, I judged people with two-year-olds in restaurants. You know what I'm talking about? Why don't they get their kid under control? Terrible parents, I'll tell you right now. And, uh, and, and, I, and by the way, and we, and before we had children, we did all the classes and all that stuff and growing kids God's way and interrupt rule and touch, you know, the hem of the garden, don't interrupt, you know, the, then you have a two-year-old. Then you're humbled. <laughs> then you're in the restaurant. You try all the stuff, and then you finally get into what's called negotiation slash bribing. Please sit down. I'll give you anything you want. I'll give you ice cream. I'll give you cookies. I'll buy you a car, a rocket ship. What would you like? <laughs> and I know y'all don't do that, but we did, okay? We, 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 we just, so I get it, all right? I, 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 I get it. So, so what's interesting is the point is, is, that, is that these wise men came, and they worshiped. Everybody say they worshiped. But they didn't just worship. They worship and they knelt down. They, they, it's, it's, it's interesting. When they'd come into the house, they saw this young child. They, 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 they fell down. Why did they fall down? Because they were in the presence of God. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Man, that's powerful. And they, 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 they recognize there's something that happens when the, when the body 
when our physical bodies come into the presence of God. There's, there's something about that. When, 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 the, when, the, when the, let me say it this way, when the finite meets the infinite. And one of the responses that we see in the Bible is, is you kneel. As you kneel down. You kneel before God. You come before God. I, I'm reminded of that verse in Psalms 95. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us what? Say it. Kneel before the Lord our maker. You're worshiping God and you're engaging in God. You're engaging with God. And there's a sense of God's presence. And, and, and it's, it's, it's so awesome. You, you feel overwhelmed. And there's times where you just you, you, you kneel before God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever kneeled in the presence of God? Whether it's in prayer in your house and you're, and you're sensing God and you got worship music going or you're just praying and you, there's something about that. There's something about raising your hands and kneeling that is a sign of surrender. Something about it. It's a physical response. Here's what's interesting. The Hebrew word that means worship here, it's translated shaka. It's 172 times it's in the Bible and it actually means to worship with the act of kneeling. Something about kneeling before God. There's something about coming before God in a posture, in a posture, a reverent posture of honoring God. Oh, here it is. Recognizing God is God and we are not. It's powerful. It's powerful to honor God this way. It's powerful to, to worship God, to, to recognize the omnipotence of God, the power of God, who God is. And, and the, the, the majesty of God. It, and, and, and there's a physical response. Matter of fact, people come into our church sometimes and, and worship. You, you, you've maybe experienced this. And, Pastor, I don't know what's going on, but every time I come, I can't even do the singing part. Why can't you do the singing part? Because I just start crying. I don't know why I'm crying. I just feel awkward. People are looking at me, so I just walk out. And I'm like, well, wait, time out. Why are you crying? I'll tell you why you're crying. Because you're sensing the presence of God. Listen, nothing sad is happening up here. I'm funny. <laughs> are you all with me? You know, it's not like old yeller reruns or something. You know what I'm saying? I'm never sad. How many of y'all cried? Don't lie in church. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, you know you cried. If not, you're not human. But anyway, so there's nothing sad up here. I tell you what's happening. Your body, there's a physiological response to the presence of God. It's often, it's, it's your, your, there's tears. There's all, so, so, so what's going on here? You're, you're responding to God. Three people are excited. I've worked hard for that. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I, I've never taught a message like this before. This is really interesting. I, I want to talk to you about three times I see in the Bible where people kneel and, and the why behind the what. I want to talk to you about that. Number one, I want to talk to you about this posture of kneeling. Number one, in the pursuit, kneeling in pursuit of God. Now, hang on one second. I know there are people that come to this church. I know there's three, class, three categories of people. There are people that are checking out Christianity, and we're thrilled you're here. I'm honored that you're here, that you trust me enough to be able to come. And you're not quite a Christian, but you're getting close, and you're just checking all this out. And so there's always a group of people. Then there's newly saved people, right? They've recently come to faith in Christ, and, and you're here. And then there's deeply saved people. There may be an overly saved group, too. But anyway, so there's... <laughs> that's the... 
another group. And so, so, there, so I recognize that every week when I'm speaking to all the different campuses, I recognize there are people that are not yet Christians, and part of my job is through the Scripture to convince them of who Christ is. Not intellectually, but through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and to present to them who Christ is. And, and, and there's something about, there's something about... When an unbeliever comes into the presence of God. I want to read a scripture to you. Mark chapter 10, there's a really interesting story about a very wealthy young guy. Now, let me just tell you something. In Bible times, it was very odd for someone to be wealthy and young. All right? We don't understand how this guy got money. We know he's a leader. He was preeminent. He was powerful. And so he had a lot. And he was a, the Bible talks about him as a wealthy young ruler and and, uh, and, and, and unless he inherited it somehow, we don't have all the details, but we do know that he was pursuing God. Now watch this. Very powerful. Never saw this until this week. Verse 17, and I've taught this a bunch of times. It's a story of the rich young ruler. That's what it would be called. In your Bible, you probably have a heading, rich young ruler. All right? Mark chapter 10, look what it says. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running. This is the rich young ruler. All right, And he knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Say, Pastor, what, what is this all about? It, it, there's, something about there's something about when you're seeking God. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this story. This, this um, narrative, this, this historical reality where someone said... I was, I, was, I was coming to a point in my life, and I remember a grandma, or I remember a mom, or I remember as a kid, and I heard about this, and I just got down. And I was seeking God. I just got down, and I knelt down, and I just, I, I, was, I, I knelt down by the side of my bed, and I prayed a prayer like this. And the prayer was, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. God, if you're up there, God, just speak to me. I'm talking about somebody that, 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 that is currently not a believer, but they're seeking God. By the way, that's where we all were at one point. I can't tell you that, how powerful and how dangerous that prayer is. You, take, you talk to the God of the universe and you ask God, God, reveal yourself to me. What do you think it's going to say? Not ready for it. No, a, a, a heart that's, that's seeking God. And this, the Bible says that this guy, this guy knelt before God. So I want to submit this to you. For those of you that you're in a pursuit right now, you're in a posture of seeking God, why don't you, maybe tonight, maybe tonight before you go to bed, why not just come before God and just and pray that incredibly dangerous prayer? God, if you're real, I'm asking you'd show me. Reveal yourself to me. Here's what's so cool. Here's what's so cool. God does not reject anybody that comes with an honest heart. God's going to reveal himself. He'll reveal himself through somebody at work. Something, something will happen. So we kneel in pursuit. Let me give you another, another time when I see kneeling here. We, this is for the believer, not for the unbeliever. But we also can kneel, watch this, in repentance. This is for the believer. Somebody that knows God. Today, when we kneel in repentance, we, it might be because we see that We've done some things that have broken the heart of God. Or it could be that we realize that we've done something that's hurt somebody else. You guys know how Christmas is. It's a magnifier, isn't it? 
No, I'm serious. It's a magnifier. It's like, it magnifies the good feelings, but it also magnifies some of those other feelings. Everything is accentuated and highlighted during this Christmas season. It's like it just highlights it. And, and, and it's because some of you will have to go to a party maybe and you've got a, a family gathering and, and, and relationally you're not where you need to be. So it's like the anticipation, the anxiety attached to having to see that person. And so you're like, ah, you feel it on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? It, it, magnifies it, it magnifies it based upon the fact it's this Christmas season. You know, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to respond different. It's a giving season. By the way, giving is not just gifts, it's also giving forgiveness. Forgiveness. You ever thought about that? It's forgive. And you're thinking to myself, I don't know. And so God starts talking to you. God starts speaking to you. And you're like, I know this is God. Oh. And God is putting his finger on an area in your life. And then God does something for you that blows you away. And you're thinking, why did God do that for me? You know when God shows up in our lives and does something for us when we know that we don't deserve it? How many of that humbles us? You ever had that happen to you before? I know they've had that happen to me. I know when I've deserved judgment, I've deserved to be smushed, whatever. And, and God has done just the opposite. And he's blessed me. And I'm like, oh, God. Thank you, God. Do you know that exact thing happened to Peter? Peter was a rascal. I, I've got people sometimes that say, you know, you know I, I love John the Apostle. I'm like, I love John, but I don't relate to John. You know, John the Beloved. You know, he's just so tender, and he's put his heads on you know, Jesus' chest. And just, he's just so just a powerful, just, but very, you know, he's just, a lot of the, just amazing. Peter, a little bit rough. Kind of said the wrong thing at the wrong time. All the time. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, the guy just, he's just, he passionate, fiery. I've grown and matured. Somebody said, somebody told me once, they, they were away and they came back and said, Pastor, you've matured. I said, no, I'm just tired. I've just gotten tired, man. I've just, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about? So, so I, I, I like Peter. Peter, Peter, he just, you know, he just step out on the water, just do anything. You know, and then he'll sink, then he gets up, then he just, you know, you were the cry, oh no, you know, and then Jesus get behind me. So it just all anything can happen, Peter. Anything, literally. Loved by God. Luke, Luke chapter 5, one time Peter was fishing. He was a fisherman. Remember, he was a fisherman. That's what he did. Jesus comes up to him and says, Peter, hey, you been catching any fish? Peter goes, actually, no, not anything. And Jesus, I love Jesus. He goes, let me tell you what the problem is. Yeah, throw your net on the other side of the boat. So it's a net issue on the side. So I'm going to throw it over here. So I've been throwing it right here. I'm sure those fish can just kind of swim right here, but that's... But I'm going to, listen, at your, at, everybody say, at your word. Luke chapter 5, he said, at, at, he, he, at the word of God. How many of you know God will ask you to do things, God will ask you to do some stuff sometimes, and he's not waiting for you to figure it out. He's wanting you to obey. <laughs> and so he said, throw it on this side. He goes, all right, I'll just do it. I can imagine Peter, he's probably going. <laughs> and the Bible says, this is all in Luke chapter 5. The Bible says there was so much fish that he actually had a whistle to another boat to come to help him. Say, hey, hey, y'all come over here. This is amazing. 
We got fish. We got, this is awesome. Come, come, come. Man, they're just pulling in. And so, so what, what, what happened? Now remember, you got to understand Peter's temperament. You got to understand his attitudes at times. You got to understand how gruff he was. You got to, he's fiery, passionate, you know, guy. And, and you got to understand that. You got to understand that. And, 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 and so many times he did things that, that, that he knows that, that, that he probably shouldn't have done. And yet God still blessed him. And that's why Peter responds this way. Here it is. You guys ready? Luke chapter 5. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, what had happened, God had blessed him in spite of him. He fell to his what? Say it knees. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Why? Because God blessed him when he didn't deserve it. God helped him when he, listen, when he, when he didn't earn it. How many are grateful for the grace of God that God loves us when we don't deserve it? God cleanses us. That's, that's God. And I'm going to tell you, the only response, it's not like, well, about time. No, no. The response is, God, thank you so much. God, I know where I was. I know where I should be. I mean, I mean, just to be honest, how many of y'all are grateful God didn't kill you the first time you messed up? Anybody in here? I know I am. That's why I'm big time merciful with people. You want to know why? Because I know I needed it. I'm like Peter. Not John. Peter. Pete. <laughs> oh, thank you, God. God, you helped me. I've said this story so many times. It's just first year of the church. Somebody called up. They called my wife and said, if that church finds out what your, your husband was like, you know, before he was a Christian, they'll never come. She goes, he tells them every week. <laughs> every week. Every week. I needed Jesus, man. I was, I was a mess. But I thank God I can get up here and stand up here and go, let me just tell you how sharp I am. No, I'm like, let me tell you how forgiven I am. Let me tell you how I'm blessed I am by God when I didn't deserve it. Let me tell you how grateful I am to God. That's God. That's God. Let me, let me give you this third and final thing about kneeling. It's very powerful. We also kneel in submission. So, so for the unbeliever, we kneel in our pursuit. And I just want to, I'm going to encourage you to pray that prayer. Just pray that prayer. Number two, we kneel in repentance and we recognize God's been good and gracious to us even when we didn't deserve it. But there's another moment here where we kneel in submission. This is a steering wheel of our life issue. Who's driving the car? It's not so much a sin issue. It can be, but it's more of a control issue. It's a, this is to the believer now. could be to both. But it's something about who, who's, really, who's really driving the car. See, a lot of times we want to get saved. We want to be forgiven, but we still want to keep the wheel. Are y'all with me? I, um, I have an older brother, and, you know, part of having an older brother, you know, the role of an older brother is to model, mentor, and torment the younger brother. <laughs> That's what they do, right? I mean, and I have two boys. I mean, I see it. I mean, I, I get the whole thing, you know. So my brother and I, we would... We would wrestle and fight and just, just, just crazy, you know, just ram one another, you know. Of course, the sheetrock in the 70s wasn't like today. And uh, it was tougher, you know, and then so it was just boom, hit walls, you know, all stuff. I mean, I don't know how many times we busted walls. I mean, it's just terrible, you know. And, uh, but it's just, it's just, you have a brother two years older than you, you guys are both athletic. I mean, you just, just, rah. and so, but we had this thing, there's like only one, there's only one rule, one rule. You know, if you get one of them in a head, if you get them in a headlock and they're like 
about to die. I'm like, they're going to just die. If they touch you like that, you, you, you have to not kill them. That's the only rule. You know what I'm saying? Come on. How many of y'all have a brother? Come on. You have a brother. You know what I'm talking about. So right before you kill them, you do, if they do that, that's called what? Tapping out. That's what that means. That's like the bell in championship wrestling. No, but that's a, so, so it means you got, it's over, right? Okay, so you boom, let them go. It's amazing how we will not tap out at times with God. And God's trying to get us in a place. He's trying to get us in a place. There's signs everywhere. God's speaking to you, speaking through your spouse, speaking through a coworker, speaking through a billboard. I mean, I don't know. I mean, God is just, and God, and God is lovingly, lovingly. Remember, Jesus is our elder brother, the Bible says. He's lovingly, not trying to kill you, but he's got you in a headlock. And he's saying, I, I, I'm trying to help you, not hurt you. My plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. Are you with me? And it's amazing how we just won't do this. We won't tap out. We're like, you could kill me. And you just, your face is purple. Okay. I'm going to say something. It may shock you. Jesus tapped out. Jesus tapped out. Not on the cross. Before the cross, in a garden. When he knelt down before the Father, when he was in the garden at Gethsemane, and uh, he was facing the toughest moment of his life, it's a control issue. It's where some of you, I say this respectfully, some of you are right here. You're, you're loved by God, you've been forgiven of your sin, but, you, but you're still trying to keep in control of your life. Okay? This is real hard for type A personalities too. Real hard. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, and as he withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he had Peter, James, and John. He had, he had his three amigos. The Bible says he, this is Jesus, he what? Say it. Knelt down and prayed. What did he pray? Here it is. Here's his tap out. You need to pray this prayer. We all need to pray this prayer. Remember this, presuppositional understanding on the front end. God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. So you have to have that understanding. Now you can pray this prayer. If you don't believe that, you'll never pray this prayer. If you believe your plan for your life is better than God's plan for your life, then you won't pray this prayer. If you don't believe that, if you believe what I said first, that God's plan for your life is better than your plan, then you'll pray this prayer. You'll tap out. All right, here it is. Here's the tap out. Verse 40. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me, all right? Nevertheless, not my, but yours, what? He was saying, all right, I tap out. He, um, he surrendered. That's what he did. That prayer is so powerful. And there's something about praying it on your knees. So, whether you're an unbeliever, and I say that respectfully, somebody that maybe is not a Christian, then we, every service, we have people at all of our campuses, and online as well. Um, I'm going to submit to you, maybe you pray a prayer like this, God, if you're real, 
reveal yourself to me. And, and you just, you're by your bedside or by a chair. You just, it's just something about it. Number two, we can also kneel in repentance. Number three, there's something about kneeling in surrender. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I've got about 10 minutes left in the message. I, 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 it's been shortened because I'm going to do the legacy offering in a moment, but I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you're in this place today, I'm going to ask, please, everybody, I promise in 110 you'll be out of the service. Please, if everybody could just remain seated if possible. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in this place today and you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with God, you're not sure that if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Don't let anybody say, you go to church, you get saved. Jesus saves you. Now, he can save you in the church, but the church doesn't save you. Being a member of a church doesn't save you. But I can point you to the one who saves. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? At every one of our campuses, I know our campus pastors have come up on the stage all those men and women in Orleans Justice Center, I just want to say this right to every single one of you guys, thousands of people, I just want to say, do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to just ask for a show of hands in just a moment. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me and to cleanse me from my sin. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to the count of three? One, two, three. Quickly hold it up high so I can say, God bless you guys right there. God bless you right there. God bless you, man, right there. God bless you guys in the back. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure. God bless you too right there. God bless you guys. God bless you, ma'am. And God bless you guys right there. It's awesome. Let's pray, church. Can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? Let's all pray together. Let's do this. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Now say this. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the word of a living God, taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. With everybody seated, I want to just take 15 seconds to explain this. If you trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you to fill out this card. In just a moment, our offering is going to pass for the legacy offering. You can put that in there or in the guest central. There's some pastors there for you. Now, please stay with me. Every week, our service is an hour and 10 minutes, all right? And I'm real consistent on that. It's 59 minutes so far. I'm going to show you a one-minute video. Then I'm going to come back, and we're going to pray over this legacy offering. And I am so grateful for this church. I get a privilege. The privilege that I have is to pass to you guys and for all of us together to reach our community around the world. So check this out, a little highlight. I'm going to come back and pray over our offering. Take just a moment. Can you show this? At Church of the King, our mission is reaching people and building lives. This year, we've been able to live out that mission throughout our community and the world. We want to say thank you and celebrate what God has done through your generosity in the lives of countless people around the world.
We give the Lord a hand clap for that. Isn't that powerful? That's you guys. That's you guys. You know, one of the weekends that I love is the first weekend of March. We have the opportunity to uh, hand out our annual report of the church and the growth of the church at all the campuses and the resources. And so um, I want to just sh share this with you guys. We have four lanes, and I've talked about this earlier. If you can pull that up for me, four different lanes of g giving. Remember, this is, everybody say, over and above. This is not our tithe, but it's an offering over and above. And we do this one. People can give to Legacy, all the, the Legacy lanes all throughout the year. But one time a year, we take up a second offering. But it's the only second offering we take up all year long. And uh, the four lanes, number one is we have building projects at all of our campuses. Our South Shore campus right now that's joining us, uh, we are, we're believing God for $3 million for a permanent location in Jefferson Parish. Also, by the way, our St. Charles campus, we're really excited about that. I think we're getting all of our permitting there, and people have been giving towards that. We're so excited to be able to start right after the first of the year. And how many of y'all believe that God wants us to have a church right down there, downtown New Orleans? Come on now. Anybody? We believe that. So many of you have been given towards that. We're so grateful, so grateful. Uh, here at Little Creek, we're continuing to always do things here on the Little Creek campus. Uh, and so some people love to give towards that, building projects, and you can mark that. Number two, the second thing that we have is uh, student ministries. And some people love to give to help kids scholarship them for youth camp or uh, helping our internships and all the different things with that. And so we have a student ministry lane. This lane's really cool. This is our local outreach. I want to tell you a story about this. Uh, and I know we've got all the men and women joining us right now from the Orleans Justice Center. Uh, last year, we had the opportunity to start there, and, uh, and we're so grateful for the giving because many of you stepped up. We were able to buy the equipment. We were able to hire a team to be able to do that. And now we've got close to 1,000 men and women with the opportunity to hear us. By the way, by the way, next week, uh, we're starting, uh, and we'll be beaming live uh, from nine, uh, the 9 o'clock service every week in the St. Tammany Parish Jail because of the giving of these people. Come on, can we give the Lord? Isn't that awesome? So that's, that's on, not at this service, there are 2,000 people at two different jails at a while. And that's not the only ones where there's plans for more. Well, how is that possible? That's not part of our general tithes, okay? The general tithing takes care of all the operational budget. This is over and above stuff where if we get resources in, we can advance the kingdom. That's what legacy is all about. Let me tell you something. Legacy is about leaving a spiritual legacy. Some of you are businessmen and women. You have a business to give your kids. That's awesome, okay? But whether you have a business to give your kids or not, everybody can have a spiritual legacy. Does that? We can all leave a legacy spiritually. By the way, I believe when we get to heaven, there's going to be people that we meet. Thank you so much. You touched my life for Christ. I believe that. There was a song when I became a Christian 30 years ago, talking about thank you for giving the Lord. I believe that. So we have local outreach. We're doing stuff all over the community, and there's resources attached to that. Uh, let me give you this other one, global outreach. Uh, the fourth one, if you can pull that up, global missions. We've planted churches this year. All of this is written down uh, that we'll have in our annual reports. And so maybe God's put on your heart, whether it's doing water wells with us, uh, whether it's planting churches around the world, leadership development, uh, again, uh, we have an annual report the first week of March, and you can pick one up today where it talks about all the different ministries that we support, and you guys are part of that. So God's put it on your heart to be a part of this, this offer. And I just want us to pray right now. We've got a song, uh, and then I'm going to come back in two minutes to release everybody, and I'll let you guys know uh, what is, what's come in uh, as we get the totals. Father, we're so grateful for your blessing in our lives. And God, we thank you that we can all 
leave a spiritual legacy by impacting somebody for Jesus, by touching and influencing their life. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you put it on our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice, just like Adam said. Somebody sacrificed and gave and bought pizza years ago so that he could come into a club and hear about Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we're a part of that. Bless your people as they give to you now as the ushers prepare to serve the people. We thank you for this over and above the tithe offering. We thank you for it, Lord. We believe for big things in Jesus' name.